You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. Once again, I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm super excited to talk to Jay Bowden today about growth equals velocity times thoughtfulness. Jay, welcome to the show. And thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, and uh, happy Friday. Superb. So we've been on this track of understanding what it takes for people to unlock themselves to become super execs. We've been talking to people about what it means to be a to have a growth growth mindset. So I'm excited to t- dive into the topic. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself, Jay, and how you got to where you are. Sure. So. Um you know, I was born and raised in Florida, then we moved through uh, Atlanta, got to live there for 12 years relative to where I went to college in Tampa. It was a big city, if you will. And, you know, it all started for me, Asher, in college. I was fortunate enough to do two, uh, three internships while I was in college. I got to intern at an advertising agency, a radio station, and what we used to call a newspaper. I'm being uh, facetious there for point, but, you know, newspaper was actually the big, the, the big deal back then, right? And I quickly saw that the ad agency wasn't for me the environment right generally speaking back then this particular agency lived a very paranoid lifestyle it was all about you know keeping the client happy right um, and so I learned a lot there the newspaper was was really old school right and uh, a lot of people have been in the same jobs for a long time there was no energy there was no growth mindset and then the radio station came along and people were having fun people were getting results for their customers uh, and I was, you know, 24 years old. I got to start at a really uh, cool radio station in Tampa, Florida called Q105 that was kind of top of the charts. And um, because all the sales reps in the business had been there for so long, they didn't want to call on the cars or the bars. And so at 24, to call on cars and bars was just fine with me. And uh, I was happy to work with the customers they didn't want to. So then fortunately, that that basically built into a 19-year uh relationship in the radio business. I had so much fun. I worked for Clear Channel. I worked for Cox Enterprises. I worked for ABC Disney. Uh, and I really got to grow. I got to learn. I got to become a people manager for the first time after a few years. No good at it at all, by the way. Uh, but fortunately, as I you know maintained, if you will, um, I continued to grow. I continued to have fun. And it, it, it took my career to Atlanta, Georgia. In Atlanta, back in 2006, Google got into the radio business. They called it Google Audio. A couple of my friends had gone over there. One guy called me up and said, hey, if a recruiter called you, would it be okay? And I said, sure. Like, I literally had to Google Google, right? Like, it wasn't a name brand then. It had certainly done well already from a stock perspective, but it wasn't um, something everybody was aware. So I took a huge risk. I took a 50% cut in pay, 5-0, in October of 2006 to join Google. And literally the same month they bought YouTube, so, of course, none of my hiring was a headline or anything near important as much as YouTube was right at the time. Same by, time, by the way, as the iPhone was first introduced. Just to give you a sense of that, I've been to Google now for 14 years. When I came in, I was in the uh, radio business, as I said. 
I quickly had the opportunity to become a people leader. So not only did I take a 50% 5-0 cut in pay, I also got stripped of people um, uh, management responsibilities. I was an individual contributor. So I did that for about nine months. Google got out of the radio business. And I was fortunate that there was an opportunity to be a people manager on a retail team in Atlanta. And I did that job and I really enjoyed it for six years time. I was fortunately promoted to director. To do the director's role, I had to choose between New York, Chicago and uh, Mountain View. I had always loved California. I wrote in a um, uh, note years back when someone said, hey, where was the one place you'd love to live if you, you know, had your, or it was California. And here I have my chance. So we've been in California for eight years now. We moved here, it was me, my wife, my three kids, my two dogs, my two cats, and uh, tears were shed. Uh, and today, everybody is so happy we've got to spend some time in California. We've learned so much, uh, and I've grown a ton personally and professionally uh, at Google and from the experience. That's got to be the most beautiful introduction that somebody's ever said on this show. And I'm so sure you're drawing from your MassCom undergrad uh, and using the skills really well. Yes. That was really well done. <laughs> Thank you. I don't. I don't like to share that it was mass com. You know, that's kind of like saying I studied. You know, basket weaving. Um, but hey, I'm a state school guy. I'm a mass com guy, and I have made it work. So yes. Yeah, this is great. You're, you have a flourishing career at Google. Like, what more could a guy ask for? You know. No, I'm very grateful. Thank you for that. So let's dive into the topic where right? you chose growth equals velocity times thoughtfulness and it's in the same theme of like mind, mindset, uh, building a growth mindset, right? So tell us a little bit about what's on your mind. Sure. So, you know, for us, Asher, and of course, I, I didn't necessarily create this uh, value equation, right? We, we follow a lot of great people that talk about the growth mindset, uh, mindset like Andrew Chet uh, and others, right? Um, but candidly, what, what, where, where I saw clients struggling is, is around the velocity piece, right? So think about how smart most people are in the digital space. I would say, generally speaking, this is an analytically driven business, right? It's, there's a lot of data. And you can, you know, there's this, you know, paralysis by analysis that I was seeing where everyone was being so thoughtful that everything was going incredibly slow. So for me, when we, when I would either meet a customer that had the growth mindset and they could combine velocity with thoughtfulness, I'm like, wow, I want to spend time with this person, with this customer, because they can go faster, right? They can win in their industry. They can win in their peer set versus the ones that were really overthinking this stuff spending way too much time on analysis and less time on action. So for me, you know, that I have a bias toward action. And when I meet a customer that also has a growth mindset, they want to go fast and they're thoughtful. But, you know, there's this rapid test um, like sense and you have to have the ability to rapidly test and iterate, fail fast, keep moving, launch, iterate, launch, iterate. You know, it's, if it's a circle, you know, you want to see that circle complete quicker. Teams that complete their experiments quicker move and grow 20% faster than those who don't. So the growth mindset, these are the ones that I love spending time with. I learn from them. Our teams can go faster with them. They can win in their space. Uh, and, and candidly, like that's where I get the most enjoyment from my work. Because, you know, people that spend money with Google, you would say, oh, you know, they're growing. They're spending more money. I've not yet met one in my 14 years that isn't getting the ROI they need to, to basically justify that spend. So, you know, this isn't where we're taking money from people, it's not working. This is where we're helping customers find what works, helping them go faster, and then they win and they, uh, and they make the ROI, they have the ROAS, they things, the things they need to grow their business. 
Fantastic. And I just want to sh get, uh, call this out that Jay works with B2C companies. The Most of the folks on that are in our audience are B2B folks. But in my own journey with this podcast, I've been looking for somebody who could give us some lessons from the B2C world and and take some of draw some of that at experience and share it with the b2b world because i believe that there's a lot of goodness on the b2c side and michelle your colleague who runs who is your <coughs> counterpart who focuses on the b2b companies actually alluded to this as well and so that's why we have jail on on the line with us yeah just if i could add to that asher so a michelle bandler's amazing right b i i ran that business before she did and this sense of you know marketing and sales is a great thing. And those customers specifically, and B2B, you know, historically, you haven't been able to measure all the way, you know, past the conversion, like a digital conversion, a click or something, to the offline sale. But if we can measure from what's happening online, how that interacts with their CRM, and then ultimately push that data back and try and find more of those great customers, then digital works really well. It doesn't matter if you're B2B or B2C. You know, I always said B2B is harder you know, imagine you're an e-commerce company, you're selling, I don't know, I have a water bottle right here. You're selling water bottles, right, online, click, they buy, they convert, they go. That's really easy to measure. It's harder in B2B, but the sales are much greater too. Imagine a $20 click brought you a multi-million dollar CRM integration, right, at a company. Like, don't tell me that's not worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And so what are you hearing from marketers that you work with? Like, what are the lessons out of 2020? So for us uh, in B2C and specifically, you know, I work in our home and consumer services space. So we have a lot of the customers that have to go to someone's house or have to interact with them historically in person uh, to be successful. Imagine uh, a lawn services company, imagine uh, automotive dealerships, right? We have to go, you have to touch things, you have to be around people, right? Contact. So the term that's trended for us and what I would say sadly is, well, it's a great thing that this happened, but sadly, as a result of COVID, is that 10 years of improvement have happened in one year's time when it comes to B2C clients having a better experience for their customers on their site and through their e-commerce flow. And even making e-commerce an opportunity and a reality for them is a new thing. Historically, most of the conversions happened offline. The, the, the industries that I work with have someone they call door knockers and they go door to door and they, they make calls. Well, people don't want people knocking on their doors today. So again, where the sales org that was out door to door were making the sales today, their digital, um, site their digital experience is what so to answer your question a little quicker digital experience right making it a better quicker more frictionless flow imagine our personal lives you the days where you would call an uber or now you want to convert on amazon or you want to check your bank account all those companies have done a great job of making it seamless and frictionless so I, we've been helping our clients do the same and when they do that they convert better they have better customer satisfaction a lot of great things happen for them so I just want to unpack what you just one thing that what you said is right because in the B two B world, we thought our world that ended with COVID coming in because you can't go to trade shows anymore. Well, in the B two C world, you can't go knock on doors anymore, and then just understanding and digesting that right. Like a trade show happens like once a year, great. Now this person who has to do it on a daily basis can't do it anymore. Like they have to like overcome that right. 
And so, so thanks for pointing that out because I think like as marketers and especially as, as B2B marketers, right? We get engrossed with like, oh my goodness, like I can't make my number, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Not realizing like the, a large part of the world couldn't get anything done. You know? And so they probably yeah. had to learn more of the B2B tactics than the B2C learning, uh, uh, B2B guys learning a little bit about the B2C tactics. No, I, I think that's fair. And, and those shows had to, if they have to go on, right, then now they're digital events. And so we've all learned how to do better digital events, how, you know, uh, home is the new HQ, right? We're working from home. How do we get our setups to be in place? Candidly, I talk to my clients more than I did when we were traveling because it's easier. You know, it was a it was a show, right? A lot of times if we wanted to bring a big customer out to Google, we wanted to come to Mountain View to our partner plex, all that airfare and time and getting executive schedules lined up, it would take months. Now we have these calls. I was on with the CEO the other day and he said, hey, why don't we do this again next quarter? This was someone we used to see annually. So I do think there's some good, some speed that has come from this. The other thing, Asher, that clients have had to do, and myself included, is to adaptively resource. So if one part of your business has shrunk as a result of COVID or one part of your media plan, I mean, outdoor is a great example. We're, we're just not outdoors. We're not in airports to see airport advertising. A lot of those things, and by the way, for your B2B customers, right, that's a huge space for them. They've had to divert those dollars and adaptively resource other parts of their marketing plan, where the eyeballs are today, what we're consuming. An interesting trend for us, you know, we've been helping customers build mobile experiences and many, many clicks come from mobile devices. Well, now we're seeing a lot of growth in computer tablet because people are working from home on their desktops. They can use an 11, 13 or 15 inch screen instead of a six inch screen. So we've actually seen a lot of adaptation to the to the um, to the desktop. These are trends that we point out. And the quicker clients take that trend and make it a reality for their business, the quicker they succeed. And that's the growth mindset. Totally. And tell us a little bit about, you mentioned a little bit about the, the partner growth lab. I want people to listen to this one. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something it's, we're a year in, so it's not, it's not officially a thing, right? But this is an example of, we wanted to help our clients adopt and grow with a growth mindset. So we created, uh, we just stood up a partner growth lab. Uh, one individual uh, in our team had a proclivity there, studied a lot of this stuff, was really articulate in describing what a growth mindset was. We said, hey, what if we brought clients through a limited time experience, six months, incubator, experimental, we get in, we create a North Star, we get the full team together, by the way, inclusive of the CMO, we agree the North Star for the business. We agree a few projects that if we got them done in six months time, it would set them up for success moving forward. So we come in fast. It's kind of a strike team, really great kickoff, really great engagement with our clients and then kind of set them on their way to go faster. And, you know, you could argue, Asher, you know, like I would think about like for me working at Google, it's like, well, don't we do that already? Like we are helping customers digitally transform. We're a sales team, right? My boss or my boss boss could say, oh, you know, but that's what we, that's what you're there doing, aren't you? Yes, but when you get a discrete group of people together, you create one or two projects that you know are gonna drive business value. It's amazing how fast people can go. So with the visibility the Partner Growth Lab has, we've had four clients go through. We've seen improvement for all four of them, something that they needed to get done that got done quicker because we put focus on it, we helped them with a rapid experimentation uh, tracker, and then we helped 
with ourselves, by the way, with our specialists, with people at Google, kind of jump in, get them out of there in six months, and then bring someone in, get them out of there in six months, bring someone else in. So it's a white glove approach to a short engagement to get growth um, accelerated. And so I want to unpack that just a little bit, right? Because the people that you're bringing in, how do you make sure that they're open to this rapid experimentation, right? Because I understand like, like, like growth mindset is, I guess, going to be a word that's going to be used more and more and more all through 2021, right? But sure. people, it's, it's the same word as data-driven, right? Like everybody says I'm data-driven and the reality is most people are data analysts. They're not actually data-driven. And so, so yeah. how do you help those executives internalize this concept with their teams? Yeah, well, great question. And we work with these clients already, right? So these are clients that are in my, uh, what we call a vertical. So my, the industries that I, that I lead sales teams in at Google, it's our large customer group. And so I would argue we, we already have access. We already know them. So then we could then therefore put criteria together that we were gonna decide who it was that we would accept. I mean, this was a, you, you, you nominate yourself, we will, we will let right. you know if you have what it takes to be in the Partner Growth Lab. And this is where, you know, later in our conversation, I'll talk about it, but Anthony Conversa at TrueGreen, great example. We knew he had a growth mindset. We knew he had come into the business to make some great changes and to help that this is a legacy business. Again, this is TrueGreen. These are the door knockers that I was referring to. But he had a sense that there was a lot of growth still in digital platforms. They were nascent there. We could tell all of that stuff. So we were very choosy in the beginning. And I'm telling you, Asher, when you meet people, especially for the first time, and they describe their strategy, you know if they have a growth mindset versus an efficiency mindset versus a profit mindset versus a just let it play, um, uh, what is it, rest and vest mindset, yes. right? So we try and identify, we try and get to know them well enough. And you know, sometimes we're a little bit off, but most of the time, actually so far, every one of them with senior leadership getting involved uh, helps their team go faster. And by the way, it helps them succeed in their careers at these companies. It helps the company succeed. And who doesn't want to be a part of a team that's driving growth for a business to where, you know, as an example, you know, you can report out publicly or privately that the marketing team has driven sales growth. Like once you start to see that, that the marketing, instead of a cost center, instead of a, oh yeah, they do our brand or they represent, they buy TV, whatever it might be like a very legacy. And again, these, these are important platforms. But when you start to become a growth driver, you're bringing sales to your sales org. You're bringing the good leads, right? The Glenn Gary leads. All of a sudden, you know, they're calling you. They're giving you money to put in that machine that brings great leads and, uh, and business value. And, and you mandate that the executives who are sponsoring this program with you go through the program with you. Exactly. Yep, they're at the kickoff, they're at the check-ins. Uh, if we get, you know, we get held up, we get a couple weeks, or oh, not as much progress, you know. I've got a direct line now uh, to these leaders to say, hey, doing great, but remember, if this was a short term, we're gonna go fast, we got a couple hiccups here, how can you help? And I found them to be very responsive. Um, and they're reaping the benefits now. So, okay, so let's focus on the leader then, right? So, so then okay. how, does, how does the leader activate the growth mindset? So very simply by living it, right? When, when if you think about it, like we resource toward growth. Um, I, I can't think of another business that doesn't resource toward growth. So when that's where the resources go, then, and, and that's where people migrate, they tend to wanna be with 
a leader that has a growth mindset. I know for me, I can speak to leaders that I've worked with here. I can speak of the radio business, et cetera. When, when people are just kind of moving slowly or kind of like, hmm, we'll get there, that's not motivating. And by the way, employees with the growth, mi- with a growth mindset don't want to work for people that don't have it. Absolutely. Right? You're not going to go as fast. You're not going to learn as much. Your resume is not going to be as strong. So when you find a growth mindset leader and they model that, they illustrate that everything is about growth. We don't talk about like like the full number is a good number, but the growth number is better, right? So instead of looking at, oh, we did X amount of revenue this year. Okay, that's great. What percent of growth was that? How many of those dollars were growth dollars? When you're driving EBITDA, you're driving growth dollars for a business. People want to work in that department. Those are the ones, you know, getting talked about. Those are the ones that are in the all hands that get called out. So I would say work for someone with a growth mindset. And if you say, well, you know, I think I have a growth mindset, but I'm not sure. Like there's a lot of literature out there. But in the end, it comes to walking the walk, right, that you describe as we will win if we go faster than our competitors. And I have seen that uh, realized over the last year. And let's say you're on the path, right? You've intentionally said, I'm going to go develop myself, which is, I guess, a great step forward, right? And then mm-hmm. you get stuck, right? Like writers get writer block, athletes get athlete block, right? But I'm assuming marketers get market block or growth mindset people just get this growth block, right? Like you're just stuck. Do you have any tips for how do you unblock yourself and then continue on this path knowing that you this is not going to be like a hockey stick growth and like nine months from now you're going to be in this epiphanic land of uh, uh of, of growth mindset yeah i mean a couple things come to mind one make sure you're in the right role right I, I think like any relationship if you're not in a healthy role you're not doing something you enjoy that gets you excited every single day um, I, I think you need to make sure that you're in the right place. You know, secondarily, do you work for a company? Or are you in an organization that has the growth mindset? If you find yourself trying to adopt it, going down the hall and being in meetings uh, that don't um, to find people that actually don't have an appetite, I would say you might be at the wrong company. And then, by the way, like I like to say, you know, great ideas come from everywhere. So don't think your leader has to be the growth mindset. Your leader has to be the one uh, that's going to drive this in your company. Bring it to them. Let them learn from you. Let the let that happen. So it can come from anywhere. You know, I love that expression. Um, all of us are smarter than one of us, right? And so, and for me as a leader, like there's nothing better. So a couple things. One, people matter. Great people make a huge difference over people that aren't as interested in a growth mindset. And when I have people in my organization that have a growth mindset and they bring it to me and we just have a conversation and a couple days later I get the follow-up from it and they thought of this, they thought of that, they want to do this, they want to do that. Oh my God, that's amazing, right? Because then it all multiplies out from me. And I've learned that, I mean, over time it's like, the good ideas don't always come from me. The good ideas generally don't come from me. The good ideas come from people that are closer to the business, right? And I want people to feel empowered. So I consider myself to be a very inclusive leader. And what I mean by that is I'm inclusive with multiple members of my extended team, that they join the meetings that we have, that they join the meetings where we're talking about our strategy. So A, they're more invested. And B, they bring ideas. And C, they feel heard. I mean, nobody doesn't love feeling heard in an organization so that you know that your word is being, if you come in and you have ideas and they never get adopted, right? It's like, well, then why am I doing this? But if you do and they do, A, the employee gets totally pumped by it. You get a lot more results and it can be infectious, right? More and more people can start to adopt a growth mindset when they see, hey, that's what this person's doing. I want to do that too. And 
I guess I guess just got to ask this question out of curiosity. Are there situations where a growth mindset is not needed at all? Like in your experience? So I think a good example would be from the radio business, candidly, right? So when your radio station is the number one radio station in town and you only have X amount of commercials in a given hour and they're all selling out because the, you know, the DJ is so great that this is so great. You could argue you don't need a growth mindset. You need more of a negotiating mindset. Like how do you bring the yield of every minute of advertising to the peak when demand is really strong? Right. I think I think it's harder to have a growth mindset when you're doing really well than when you're the worst radio station in town. Again, to play this metaphor out. Right. Yep. And you need all the help you can get. You need the hungry people. You need to get out there. Try new things. Try promotions, uh, etc. So I, I'd say there might be some places. But, you know, you, you know, at the same time, I think you always do better with a growth mindset. Right. You try and get creative as an example with the growth mindset, even if you're at that top radio station, because you do have that mindset. You're trying to find edges where you can find revenue. You're trying to create new products, similar to the uh, Partner Growth Lab you and I talked about. At Google, we started something in the, Ameri uh, in the Americas called the International Growth Team, right? Because I was seeing, I saw a stat one day that said 72% of queries for the business that I was in were coming from outside of the United States. And so I said, okay, that's cool. Like, wow, there's more demand outside and these companies are in those markets. What amount of our revenue is coming from outside of the United States. And it was a perfect storm, it was 28%. So I saw if 72% of the demand is coming from there, but we're only 28% of the revenue, the gap yep. between 28 and 72 was pure opportunity. And again, small team, we started one literally part-time person. She was in charge. We started to really try and help our customers get the right assets, go against the right terms. And, and by the way, in English speaking markets, even think London, Australia, right? All these other markets where it's, it's, it's English speaking, it's real easy for our clients to do business there. And so from it, a, a team was born and now they drive great revenue for our clients at Google, et cetera. So I don't know. I think a growth mindset is good anytime. Terrific. And so I have to ask this question. <laughs> so I guess, what are some of the other, I would say, skills around a growth mindset that are complementary to it that you feel people should think about, right? Because you, people are on this journey. Now I figured out exactly how to build a growth mindset. I'm on it. I breathe well. I think about things before I speak, et cetera, et cetera, right? And then I'm looking at the right way to grow the business effectively, making all my stakeholders happy. All that stuff is great, right? There's yeah. got to be a couple of other complementary skill sets that you've seen from your vantage point that people should think about. And maybe we should do another mm -hmm. podcast on that, by the way. But let's talk about that now. Oh, I would absolutely love to do that. But two words come to mind. They both start with a C. The first one's curiosity, right? Just to have a natural curiosity. You know, oh, that's interesting. You hear something in a meeting. You read something. I just Folks that, that have an interest right and are curious about content about trends i think that's a great quality and then confidence and and candidly asher like at this point in my career you know i'm trying to do a lot more coaching a lot more giving you know i've been doing this for a long time if you add the 20 to the 14 you know i've been doing this for like 34 years and i perform better in my career when i have my confidence right so sometimes that comes from your boss and your surroundings but the quicker we can all kind of push down the imposter syndrome, 
you know, the quicker we can be. Imagine, here I am, a 20-year radio guy shows up at a digital company called Google, and everybody speaks the speak, right? My learning curve was so steep. I felt like an imposter for a very long time. And when I feel confident, it's when I do my best work. So some of that comes from being vulnerable. I would think people that can be vulnerable and tell you what they're worried about, tell you what their challenges are, they get through them quicker and they become confident quicker. And confidence shows. People wanna follow confident people. People wanna listen to confident people. And so if you're not feeling confident in your role or you don't think you're adding value or you feel like an imposter, I would say the quicker you can work toward that, you can expose that. You can, by the way, just think about, hey, you know, I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Maybe I just need the person that listens the best. Maybe I have decent speaking skills, so I'll be the one that speaks the most. I have good analytical skills, so I'll do that. But you don't have to be everything to everyone. And when you decide, when you learn what you're good at, I invest in what I'm good at versus trying to be this incredibly well-rounded person that's good at everything. And so that would be my advice. Be curious and be confident. And with confidence comes, uh, I think people will follow you. Superb. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for helping us understand about all the work that you've done. You've got an amazing career and wealth of experience. Um, I guess let's move to a slightly funner part of the podcast, as we like to think. Um, Okay. If this podcast was a hashtag, what do you think it would be? Well, I mean, I could be super obvious and say hashtag growth mindset. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You've got to show up your marketing skills, you know? (laughs) You know, but, but, you know, I would say um, hashtag today's the best day. Right? And and what I mean from that is, you know, there's an expression I learned a long time ago that the best day to plant a tree was 50 years ago. The second best day is today. So if you've been putting some of this stuff off or, you know, some of these things, oh, growth mindset here, oh, I've been wanting to do this, or I want to go for that job, but I'm afraid, like, do it today, you know, get, get your confidence today, get through what you need to do today, because if, especially if you're early in your career, you have so much time. If you think of a career as a run rate, right, and you get through some hurdles really early, then you exponent, it's like your 401k, the more you put in early, right, the bigger it's going to be in the end. I think the more you get to what's troubling you, uh, and you invest in yourself early, the uh, greater your trajectory will be. Oh, absolutely, and that's well said. Um, now, this podcast, and I say this in every podcast because it's so true, we didn't have a plan for the podcast. We just said we wanted to get to know people, right? And then after yeah. we got to know a few people, we said we would like to get to know more people. And so we just started asking people if they would recommend a few people that they would want to share the platform with. And and that's how this podcast became what it is today. And so we would like for love for you to share the stage with some of your friends or the people that you respect in the marketplace. And so do you have a couple of people that you would recommend we invite to the show? Sure, sure. Well, since I mentioned him already, and I didn't, uh, by the way, get his approval on any of this, but Anthony Conversa over at True Green, right? It's just, he's an amazing marketer, um, an amazing human being, right? And uh, yeah, I think he'd be, he's well, he's entertaining too. And there has to be entertainment value, right, on a podcast. Yep. If you're Absolutely. listening to this on a, on a run or you're in your car or whatever you are, and it's all monotone, and you just, all of a sudden you forget, and you're thinking about what you're going to have for dinner, that's no good. So Anthony's that. And then a guy named Richard Hill, same thing. He's at ADT now. ADT, the security company, they bought a company that Richard was at called Defenders. 
And so now Richard works, he's an uh, SVP there in charge of direct marketing. And, um, you know, he's taking this behemoth of an ADT, a smaller company, there's a bit more nimble in defenders, and merging those two cultures uh, along with uh, all the people around him. And I think he's doing a great job. And again, I, I think he's very well principled. I think you'd learn a lot and enjoy your conversation um, with him. And then I think, yeah, I think you and I got connected through Ben Howell, hashtag sure. Ben Howell's the greatest, uh, from Salesforce, right? And that was from my days um, back in the B2B space here at Google. So I'm glad, uh, well, thank you. I'm glad I got here. Fantastic. Yeah. No, thank you. Eddie. Agreed. This has been, Agreed. been great. Um, now, a lot of our audience is actually global. We've got uh, first time, second time VPs globally, like they're trying to understand how the West does marketing and the West is trying to understand like how the East, the Eastern part of the world does marketing, right? And so the, yeah. our, our audience likes to like reach out to, to the, the guests. And so if, if, is it okay for people to reach out to you? And if yes, what would be the best way for them to reach out? Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think for, for this purpose, I think LinkedIn's great. I mean, I've been trying to spend more time there. Um, uh, and, and, and grow uh, my network, learn from others. You know, I, my sense is if I spend time with folks from around the world and we get any time together, I'm gonna learn from them. I would say, if you reach out to me because you wanna learn from me, tell me the one thing that I'm gonna learn. For, let's make it a value exchange, right? Versus, uh, you know, the sense of like mentor, mentee. Like I, I do some mentoring at Google and I think it's a misnomer. Like it's an, it's an equal relationship. And I learn from the mentee as much as they learn from me and vice versa. So I think it's an equal playing field. So bring me something you're doing well you think I could learn from. And I'm happy to share things we're trying that uh, we think you could learn from. Yeah, one of, the, one of the best things I've learned is like, how do you market in India when there's like a hundred and something dialects, right? Like, how do you do that? And, uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and it was amazing. I was talking to the, the VP of marketing for UiPath and he was like, explaining to all these things to me. And it was, it was just, it's just phenomenal. Yeah? I mean, we need to, like more people from the, I would say the Americas need to like spend time with the, the non-Americans and you'll learn how segmentation actually works when like zip codes have different dialects and you need to reach all these people. Uh, yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah. It's just, just amazing how those people get, uh, build their businesses out. Yeah, and there's 1.3 billion of them, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. As far as, so there's volume, right? And yes. there's that complexity. So yeah, yes. if you can make it work there, you can make it work anywhere. Yes. Well, Jay, thanks again for spending time with us. Thank you for graciously sharing uh, your experience with us and guiding us and uh, uh, best of luck on your journey. Thank you. Same to you, Asher. Really excited to have been here today and uh, let's keep in touch. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.